Hello and welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. We're back for episode 386 this week. We've got Tom, Brendan, and myself, and we have a discussion about whether or not the stock market is being propped up by just a couple of the biggest companies out there. There's this narrative floating around in the financial media that it's just the biggest companies in the stock market that are accounting for the entirety or almost the entirety of the stock market's gain this year. We talk about different time periods where we've seen similar situations unfolding, but we also drive home the point that different areas of the market like large cap or small cap or international are going to perform differently at different points in time and that's why we don't try and time the market so thanks as always for listening we hope you enjoy episode 386 of the podcast i see these comments on social media where it's like this market's being held up by just a couple of names and i'm thinking to myself we've seen this before like this has happened many times wait so you mean that small stocks and large stocks cyclically take turns leading the way. <laughs> I just think that people get caught up. Every, everybody turns into a technician seemingly when we go through this phase of the markets where large cap is working better than small cap. And they're all like, well, breadth is very bad. And two or three other times, this has led to some of the biggest crashes you'll remember. Oh my what, goodness. What you... they neglected to tell you is that the other 50 times it didn't matter. It did not matter. That's right. So I'm not and saying like like pay attention, of course, and like that's 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 neat that it did that that one time. But like, are yeah. you really willing to do anything drastic as a result of that yeah. preemptively? I don't I don't think so. Crusty old guys like me will see uh, references to the Nifty Fifty from the 1960s and into the 1970s, and invariably someone like Hamtill will raise uh, the name Polaroid and. You know, some of these Avon products and some of these other ones that were just the only things that were working. There's been lots of times, lots of times where you get a handful of stocks that generate all the return, all of it. And if you're not in those stocks, you're having a hard time making money. Well, so, but I think the, the people who get upset during these time periods are the ones that are obsessed with making sure that their portfolio is in what is working 100% of the time, which is impossible. Right. Um, j- like, just to give you some context, since the second quarter of this year through today, small caps, the small cap 600 index is up 1%, while the S&P is up 16%. So second quarter, third quarter, and, and now, you know, what we've seen. But from the fourth, the beginning of the fourth quarter of 2020 through the end of the first quarter of this year, small caps were up 53% and the S&P was up 18. And so, and during that period of time, nobody was talking about there's only a handful of stocks leading the way, but we were just before that. And then you got half a year of 40% outperformance from small stocks. And so if you weren't so worried before that about being all in on the 10 stocks that were carrying the market and you remained exposed to the rest of the stocks and just waited for them to have their turn, which they did, you were fine. I think the the bigger problem, and this probably ties in nicely with your video from this week, is that if we were to go back in time to May or June, 
we would see headlines about how great small caps are yeah. right now. And people would pile in or overweight their accounts in small cap stocks and sit around and collect 1% while the S&P large cap stocks are taking off. Right. So if you're trying to play the timing game between these two, I think you're going to have a bad time. That's, that's my message. So I just want to refresh your guys' memory. In early September of this year, we had a discussion about how the S&P 500 hit an all-time high in eight straight months. And it had only done that in one other year, which I think was 2017. But the message from that was, like you said, breath was bad. Only a, a couple of big names leading the way. And then in September, we got, dun-dun-dun, a 5% dip in the S&P. Barely anything. It felt it f felt bad because, you know, the stock market seemingly hadn't gone down in forever. But yeah, we got a little 5% dip. And then the n very next conversation we had was about the behavior gap. Because Morningstar put out that study about how um, the average investor underperforms the funds they own by 1.7%, which is what I hit on in this week's video. I talked about ARC and how literally it shot the lights out last year. Everyone piled in, and then this year it's down 25% when it's benchmarked that S&P is up 25%. I, I will say one thing about small and, and large stock performance toggling is that, at least to me, it seems like the periods of time when small stocks uh, are doing well, breadth is good in the market. It's usually the case, I guess, that large stocks are participating too, just not to the same degree. However, the reverse does not seem to be as true. And it, f it can feel bad to be especially a diversified investor or, I suppose, a concentrated one like ARK if you're just in the wrong stuff. Meaning like if you're if you if we're in one of these periods of time where large cap stocks are really leading the way and small caps have done nothing, you know, the the average might be that small cap stocks have made one percent over, you know, a six month period of time, but that doesn't speak to ne necessarily like the individual names under the hood of that. And uh, I think that's especially this year we've seen that with like, you know, some popular names and things like what ARC invests in um, you know hot stocks from last year that are smaller mid-cap names just getting absolutely eviscerated so like if you're in specifically those stocks then it's gonna feel it's gonna feel worse and especially because large cap stocks are are doing fine so you look at the indexes and you say like what what the heck is going on I think that's that is the conversation that advisors need to be prepared to have with clients because, Clients will be at home watching TV and they'll see the Dow is at or close to record highs. And then they rip open their statements and they see, uh, I'm, I'm losing money. I'm actually losing money. Like, how could that be? My advisor is terrible. And that may not be the case. It isn't the case. <laughs> yeah. So it, it really comes down to having a conversation between client and advisor about you know how this money ought to be invested and what to expect. That's such a big part of, of the relationship between advisor and client is knowing what to expect. So being in the right sector or the right side of the market every single time, like we started this conversation 100% of the time, 
It's not possible. I think what investors want is a smoother ride. And so sure, if, if you want to be at an all-time high every time the market's at an all-time high, then you can just own the S&P 500 and ride it out. But I don't think that virtually anybody is actually cut out for doing that. And so what you do instead is you diversify and you own some different things that are all going to, to return over time, probably about the same have about the same performance over time, but they're going to take different paths to get there. Meaning that if you own some small and large caps, just at a super simple level, when the S&P goes nowhere for six months and small caps are up 50%, you're not going nowhere for six months, right? You're, you're going somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you know, on, on the other side of that, when the large caps are up and the small caps are lagging, you're going somewhere, but you're not going there as fast as you might have been if you were only in the large caps. However, that's kind of the price you pay for a smoother ride. You're you're almost certainly always going to be ticked off at something in the portfolio because it they can't all be in first place. And you're less likely to have a catastrophic loss as a result of doing it, which is another thing that most people like to avoid with their investments. Yeah, I think that's a good point too, because I was thinking another conversation that I think we have regularly, especially when we have headlines like this, where it's just the 10 biggest names are pulling the market. You know, we get calls that are like, well, why don't we just own those names? Like, I want to put my money into those names. And I think it's it's important as advisors that we communicate that you do own those names. You own them through the funds, like for the S&P 500, you own those the biggest names that are out there you own the biggest companies i think i saw a statistic this past week about how vanguard's um total stock market index which is like the the biggest index fund in the world is about i think it was like 1.9 trillion in assets which accounted for like just under three percent of the entire market that's just an extreme example, but it's like you own Apple, Amazon, etc. in through your index fund. So you are getting exposure to those names. It also probably behooves you to look at you know what the what the biggest stocks leading the way have done, you know, historically in terms of moving forward from there. Like the ones that are there today weren't there five years ago, ten years ago. These names have changed. And so if you want to pile into all those names individually, you also have to be prepared to pull the plug when the when the time is right, and and if you do that via you know, something like a mutual fund or an ETF instead, it's taken care of for you. Because I think pulling the plug on darling stocks like that is easier said than done. So having it done for you via you know an index fund or an ETF is just going to be a lot easier than trying to pile in and then make the make the right call on the way out. Because you, you can look at these stocks individually if you want to go along for the ride with the biggest winners uh, over time you're also going to have to sit through 50 plus percent drawdowns on the way to get there and i just don't think that the average investor is going to do that yeah uh, nor, nor do they need to i think we again we did a we did a podcast on the how the names in the s p 500 the top 10 names in the s p 500 changed over the last 50 years and I think it was in 2005, AIG was like the fifth biggest company in the S&P 500. And 15 years later, it's, not, it's gone. It's not. 
20 years ago, the the number seven company in the S&P 500, the seventh largest company in the S&P 500 was Enron, yeah. which I mean was, that was like Labor Day and it was gone by Christmas. Yeah. Or you look at like GE, another example. Do you think, do you think there's something to the idea that we get caught up more in the periods of time when large cap stocks are so large cap stocks are leading right and and so and we're talking about the 10 biggest names or the five biggest names that are propping the market up or whatever but that's how market capitalization indexes like the s p 500 work yeah and so do you think that we get caught up in those periods of time because it's so tangible because you can point to market cap weighted names that are in the large cap space space that are just behemoths that we all recognize it's like very easy to identify these companies we're all familiar with them but when small caps are leading the way it's just like oh like it's just small caps like there's no names to latch on to like what's what's the hottest name in the s p 600 index like you might be able to name like 10 stocks from that 600 list if you're a regular person Technically, at one point, all of these companies were small caps. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they became right. large cap. I mean, think about, like, what did we do before 1986, before Microsoft went public? I mean, we must have been like the cave people, you know? Just, we had nothing to go on. And now look at it. I'm being sarcastic, but growth was described differently in each decade going back. In the 90s, growth was described differently you know, that was a lot of cable, internet, telephony, a lot of all of those things were going crazy. In the 1980s, it was biotech and mergers. In the 70s, we had the Nifty 50. These were industrial companies and, and other direct-to-consumer type companies, Eastman Kodak, Avon, things like that. Uh, so in every decade, we have a different, I don't want to call it a theme, but, you know, it just seems like there's different drivers and the economy changes all the time. I just, I don't know that I necessarily buy that they're the driver. Like I get that that's like, that's the story that we're all being pitched on. I just think it's a real easy one to digest and we're all very willing to accept it. But like you can look through history and small and large cap stocks have both done well. Um, actually, if you look over history, you've been more rewarded for, for investing in small cap stocks because they're more volatile. And so just... I just think we get really caught up in these periods where it's just it's it, there's, there's no headline to write that just says, "Hey, guess what? Small small and large cap stocks are cyclical and they're gonna they're you know gonna ebb and flow over time in terms of like what what you would prefer to own if if you want to be in the best one." That's not a headline, but it is a headline to be like if you're not in these five stocks, you're not making any money, and it gets people all riled up, and and we don't need to be riled up. It's just normal market activity. I think there's some element too of, like you said, the story that we're being pitched about these companies. There's somehow like an element of how it shouldn't be this way, that like the top five or 10 names are the ones that are quote unquote pulling the market. Like that's somehow wrong because I think with investing, there's this belief that like it should be hard and that you should have to dig through the weeds and like pull out small cap company names that are gonna uncover hidden gems right yeah. but it's just like yeah like so what if if this is the well, what, think what's happening and what's what's performing best it's like okay this the so what though is that people will will say that it seems it seems fragile that only that our hand our you know our, our fate is basically in the hands of 
five or 10 companies is, is the message that's being pushed here. I'm not saying I believe it. So I think this is what people are being led to believe is that, you know, this is fragile and that, you know, a couple times, you know, you look back through history and this has been, you know, the harbinger of all of your favorite market crashes. If you want to go through, you know, the highlight reel of circle this, circle that, circle this. Yeah. Do you know what those three circles are? It's 2008, 2000. Yeah. And but I think that like the whole point of people saying that is to make themselves like sound smart. So that's going to do it for episode 386. You've got to be careful when people are making predictions about this is happening in the stock market. And that, that means that this is going to happen. Got to take every prediction with a grain of salt, especially now. This is our last podcast of 2021. So that means we're in the thick of market predictions for 2022. Market predictions are more entertainment than research. So be careful what you pay attention to out there. And we will see you for episode 387. We'll see you next year in 2022. Thanks for listening. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.